0: Thank you guys. Hey, if you have your Bibles, if you go ahead and open them up with me. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 11 today. Matthew chapter 11. And uh, looking at a familiar passage of Scripture. Happy Thanksgiving week, y'all. How we doing? Hey, uh, quick poll, and I need you guys to be really honest with me. It's just you and me, 150 of your closest friends and the World Wide Web. So it's important that we all be honest here, but quick poll. How, how many of you feel Buddy the Elf giddy about the holiday season? You just love this time of year. Be real honest with me. How many of you just love this time of year? All right. All right, y'all can put your hands down. Thank you. I appreciate that. You feel good, don't you? Uh, now, here's, here's the second question. How many of you... Uh, Honestly, have just a little drizzle of dread and a sprinkle of sarcasm about the holidays. Okay, how many of you guys do you feel feel that way? Okay. You feel you feel a little liberated having admitted it. Okay, so it's one of those things you're like, "Can't I appreciate it? I get there, I get it. I, I've been there before. I've, I've found myself sitting in the living room with a whole bunch of people that I don't know." 15 different men watching the Dallas Cowboy game, five of them who think they should have been NFL coaches yelling at the TV, while Uncle Joe kind of naps on your shoulder because of the turkey and all this, and you're kind of pushing him off, and he keeps you, you know, so we've, we've all been in that situation that was just a little bit awkward, we all have that ant who thinks that she's great with desserts, and so she bakes something and insists that you try it and whenever you eat it. It's like it's been baked in an Easy Bake Oven, and you're like, ooh, you know, maybe you should have turned up the light bulb or something like that. So truth be told, there are a lot of us that have a love-hate relationship with the holidays. And there's some good reasons why we, we struggle in these ways. Sometimes it's because we're going through grief, we're going through loss, and so we're dealing with our own emotions. But one of the main reasons why many of us struggle with this time of year is because of our relationship with expectations. Our relationship with expectas- expectations. Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, the holiday season. They should be a time when we feel really connected this should be a time when we feel really connected to the people that we love the most in life the people that we call family and they're also holidays holy days they are times where we should feel connected to God they are intended to be a time where you can exhale take a break enjoy some physical rest, and also enjoy some spiritual rest. But sadly, that doesn't happen for many of us. Instead of rest, we feel stressed. So let me set some expectations for the sermon this morning. On Sundays, I usually preach about 30 minutes, so plan your naps accordingly, okay? That's a good expectation for you. Secondly, we will always open the Bible, talk about a scripture, talk about what it meant in the Bible, and then try to apply that to life. That's one of the things that we do in church. We open the Bible. I encourage you to bring your Bible so that you can follow along and make notes if you would like to as well. Thirdly, rarely can we solve all the problems and fix everything in 30 minutes. But I do want to share with you today. A great passage of Scripture. This was a passage of Scripture that has shaped my heart over the years. It was one that we talked about last week at our grief workshop, and it was very uh, meaningful to everybody that was there in the room. And I believe that this Scripture can really help you as you try to manage expectations and strive to find the rest that I think God wants for you this holiday season. So open your Bibles, look with me, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. These are the words of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, what's the word? Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In Jesus' day, there were a lot of people that were peddling false expectations. And so they would teach about God, but they might say something like this, Come unto me and I will lead you to God. Obey what I say and I will lead you to God. Or they might say, Come unto me and you will be financially rich and you will be successful. Come unto me and your turkey will no longer be dry. Your cranberries will no longer quiver. (laughs) Friends do not serve friends' jellied cranberries. Just thought I would throw that in there. I, I have, though, though I have un, unraveled some of the mystery to this, okay, because I'm just mystified by jelly cranberries. I don't know why any human being would inhale that, but anyway, that's just my opinion. Eat what you want, but I finally figured it out. I think people consider it a salad, and it's Luby's fault, because you remember when you used to go to Luby's, there would be that little green and red jello just quivering there at the front of the line, and they would put it by the salad, So I think subconsciously, if you add gelatin, we think it's a salad, okay? So, you know, anyway, anyway. So, uh, come unto me, and your cranberries will no longer quiver. The Cowboys will win the Super Bowl. Come unto me, come unto me, and you will live in a small town with unlimited supply of money where all the men wear plaid flannel and have great hair, and the moms never yell at their children just like on the Hallmark Channel. Come unto me, and everything is going to be great. But here was the problem <clears throat> these people were leading people to all these things, but they weren't fixing anyone, they weren't helping anyone. In fact, the expectations were exhausting everyone. So, spiritually, one of the things that Jesus often went up against. I mean over and over and over again he was going up against this. It's theologically it's called legalism. It's the idea that if I'm good enough, if I do the right things or I don't do certain things that God will love me because of my performance. And the religious teachers in Jesus day were setting unrealistic expectations for people. And if you didn't measure up, they personally would tear you down until you felt worthless weary and burdened and so they would tell people the only way to earn god's love is to perform and if you fail to meet expectations and we're the ones that set the expectations if you fail to meet expectations you obviously do not love god and by the way he doesn't love you either what a tragic belief Can you imagine how heavy and burdensome it would be to try to live under that type of expectations? And yet, sadly, it's a treadmill that many Christian people are still on today. If I can just be good enough, then God will love me. If I can just do enough right things, then I will reach heaven. And so we live on this treadmill day after day, week after week, month after month, and we go nowhere. We just get more and more tired. And so Jesus says, hey, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened. Do you connect with that? Does anybody feel weary and burdened? Come unto me, all of you who are just tired and exhausted, and I will give you rest. Rest is actually one of the major themes in the Bible. It runs all the way through the scripture. Go all the way back to the soils of Eden and the creation story. For six days, God created, and then what did He do on the seventh day? He rested. That then became an example for how we were to live our lives whenever Moses goes up to the mountain and God gives him the Ten Commandments. Part of the Ten Commandments was that there was supposed to be a day each week where the people of Israel rested. And that rest gave energy to their bodies It also demonstrated their faith because they lived in a hard agrarian environment where people worked seven days a week from sunup to sundown. And God says, hey, you're supposed to take it easy and connect with me one day a week. The principle of the Sabbath. Whenever Israel left Egypt, when they left decades of oppression and slavery and God began to deliver them from that stage in their history, He led them to the promised land. And in Scripture, the promised land was always symbolic with rest. The Bible often talks about an inheritance for God's people and it's frequently compared to rest, the rest that someone receives after they die. We think about heaven and the joys of heaven. And when someone passes away, we say, may they rest in peace. The second coming is also connected to this theme of rest. When Jesus comes again and restores all all things to the glory of his name, restores the shalom of creation that was fractured by our sin, we once again find ourselves with eternal rest. But hear me well on this. The rest that Jesus offered is not the absence of stress, work, and fear. Christ's rest is the presence of God in you that replaces the stress with faith, your work with meaning, and your fear with hope. And so Jesus says, listen, what I am offering you is different. I'm offering you something that is different than what everybody else is trying to sell you. I'm offering you rest, true rest that's within you. Verse 29, take up my yoke and learn from me. Take up my yoke and learn from me. Now, someone in the room quietly is thinking this. Why is Jesus talking about eggs what do eggs have to do with rest? Now, don't confuse yoke with yoke, okay? yolk. A yoke is a wooden beam that farmers, particularly pre-John Deere, would put across two animals that would connect those two animals so that they could work together. It was important that animals not be unevenly yoked, because if they were, it would cause wounds in one of the animals. That yoke would allow the farmer to have control over the animals, but it would also disperse the work, disperse the load, so that the animals could get more done. It was designed to help them to work together, but it was also not a symbol of rest. Anybody ever farmed Have a daddy who's a farmer, grandpa that's a farmer, surely that, okay? Farming is hard work, right? Now, a yoke was also used by the Roman army. Now, a lot of you that grew up in church, you may never have heard this one before. Whenever they defeated an army, they would set up there in their camp three spears, two in the ground and one above it, and they called that a yoke. And they would take the defeated army and they would make them march underneath the yoke. It was a method used to humiliate the defeated army and also to show that they were subservient to Roman power at that time. So Jesus is saying here, there are a lot of people Weighing you down with a theology of performance, with politics of imperialism, but I want to free you, I want to free you to God's gift of grace. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, all of you who have been beneath that yoke, all of you who have been subservient and you've been conquered by the political powers of today, come unto me and I will give you rest now let's talk about a couple of the ways that jesus lightens the load and brings us rest number one he walks with you he says come to me connect yourself to me take up my yoke take up my teaching take up the gospel take up who i am and learn from me you see, Jesus says, I'm not just going to lay down the law and tell you what you need to do. I'm going to do it with you. And so the believer finds rest. Believers are invaded by the Holy Spirit. It's one of the New Testament teachings, that whenever you are a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. He empowers you. He comforts you. He walks with you The Spirit lives in you. Walking with the Spirit, learning from Christ, requires that you stop and rest long enough to listen to the Holy Spirit. Listening is a lost art in our society today. In fact, just take a moment, okay? Just take a moment and just listen. You hear the car going out in the distance? You hear a little laughter? Here's the car again. Rarely do we really ever stop to listen. But when you train yourself to listen to the voice of God, then God begins to speak to you and teach you three things that you can do to listen closely to God. Number one, Take time to pray. I call it the indispensable 30. Take time to pray. Have that quiet time in your life. If you've gotten out of the habit of having a quiet time each day, the holidays are a great time to get back into the habit where you have 30 minutes a day that you just stop and you listen and you pray and you hear from God. Secondly, you can meditate on the truth of God. Do Christians meditate? Yes, but Christian meditation is not the emptying of your mind of all consciousness. Christian meditation is the filling your mind with God's truth. So meditate on the Word of God. Meditate on the truth of God and allow the truth of God to replace the lies with the reality of what God has said about you and what He has done in your life. And then that first part there, take time to stop and listen and lighten the schedule if needed. Lighten the schedule. Man, there's so many expectations on us, and so many of them, they don't don't serve you. They're not really something you have to do. It's just things that you add. And frequently, rather than helping us become happier people, more joyful people, they just cause us to become crankier people traditions are meant to serve you, not you serving the tradition. I love traditions. I love holiday traditions, but they're not designed to beat you down. They're designed to help you find rest and connect to God and others. Secondly, I think Jesus says that he can lighten our load by bringing you and giving you an identity. So look at verse 29 again. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest in your soul. So Jesus says, I'm going to teach you and here is my example that I am giving to you as an identity for you to wear as well. I am lowly and humble in heart. Now we looked at this last week in our sermon when we talked about the prayer of the Pharisee and the prayer of the tax collector. That the proud legalistic heart is haughty and arrogant in its spirit. And it causes us to wear a mask of self-righteousness and hypocrisy. And the mask of self-righteousness hides an empty, anxious heart. Why? As long as you are trying to measure up, you will always feel the need to tear down others. Because you secretly Fear that if you don't, your own insufficiencies will be exposed. That's what happens when we wear the mask of self-righteousness. And the end result of this is that your soul is always restless because you never feel secure in your identity, and because of that, no one can ever be good enough. And if they threaten you or if you become envious of them, you have to take them down so that your insufficiencies are not seen by anybody else. Jesus says, I will give you a secure identity that is anchored in my power and anchored in me and leads you to a hope that is secured through the blood and power of Jesus Christ and you can take that identity into any relationship and be comfortable in your skin because you have been redeemed by the Holy One. You are His. Come to me, Christ says. Learn from me. Rest in me. Find your identity in me. And when we realize that we are secure in Christ, we no longer need to be insecure. And we don't have to be that person that puts others down in order to try to lift ourselves up. That's when you are free. The gospel is all about liberation. It frees you to be who you were created to be in Christ. And when you can be who you were created to be in Christ, you are then free to love people. And you're even able to love some people that are unlovable because you know who you are. You know who you are. And that's also, I think, when you can give yourself permission to just rest. Just rest. You are a child of the king you can give yourself permission to laugh it's okay to laugh it's okay to smile it's okay to enjoy life and enjoy the people that you love jesus says for my yoke is easy and my burden is what light unrealistic expectations may be robbing you of thanksgiving remember mary and martha Mary and Martha, you guys remember them in the Bible? Well, if you haven't heard the story before, Lazarus had been raised from the dead by Jesus. And so they throw a resurrection party for Lazarus. I will not dance anymore, okay? Sorry about that. Anyway, they throw a resurrection party for Jesus. So Mary and Martha live there in Bethany, and Jesus is coming to their place, all right? You think you get stressed out about your mother-in-law coming for lunch. Think about the Son of God is coming for dinner at your house, okay? So there's a little bit of stress in the air, and and Mary uh, Mary of Bethany decides that when the Son of God is in her home, she's going to sit at his feet, listen, and worship. She even goes so far as to take this this precious perfume that was probably a family heirloom and use it to anoint his feet for his coming uh, resurrection, his coming burial and resurrection. Martha, who I think was a really good person, but she was so consumed with making everything right. She was kind of like the original Martha Stewart without the jail time, right? She gets infuriated, and she's like, Jesus, I don't know if she said it that way, but anyway, tell Mary to get up and help me in the kitchen. And Judas begins to pile on. He's like, yeah, that expensive perfume that you just poured all over Jesus' feet, wasted. You could have sold that, and we could have given the money to the poor. The reality is is that Judas was robbing from the bank, robbing from the disciples' bank. But he starts piling on her. And Jesus says, hold on a second, guys. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. She's doing the right thing. Sometimes the best thing you can do is stop and just rest in Christ. Now, it's ironic to me that this Thanksgiving sermon that I'm preaching to you today causes me to wrestle with my own anxieties. I worry because I know that in this DFW culture, we praise busyness. And when you add smartphones and social media technology to our lives, the very things that Are designed that we buy to make life easier become anchors in our life. And I personally wrestle with trying to do too much or trying to be a people pleaser. Now, don't judge me, because some of y'all do the same thing, right? (laughs) Some of y'all have that same struggle, okay, trying to make sure that everything's right, trying to make sure that, that people are happy. I know I'm not alone. But I, I have this concern that in many of our lives, the yellow lights of caution are flashing. And we as Texans sometimes think that that yellow light means floor it, <laughs> right? Hit it. But the yellow light of caution means slow down because a crash might be coming. And I have concerns sometimes that the yellow lights are flashing and we just keep trying to go faster and faster and faster. And I don't think that burnout, that crash, is what God wants for you. I think he wants you to experience the rest, the gratitude, the connection that comes from knowing God and living life together with people that you love. And so my prayer to you this Thanksgiving week is that you will have deep, deep gratitude and rest for your soul. I'll read the passage one more time to you, and then we'll pray. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Would you be so kind as to bow your heads with me, please, as we come to a time of commitment? Larry and George are going to come, and they're going to lead us in some more worship here in just a moment. Uh, But before they do, let me invite you to take inventory of your heart right now and ask yourself, is God speaking to me this morning? And what is God saying to you? Are there some yellow lights of caution that are flashing in your life where there needs to be a change, a change in speed? Are you struggling with all the things that have to be done and missing out on really connecting with the people that you love? Are you missing out on gratitude and giving in the midst of thanksgiving. Let's purpose within our heart right now that in this holiday season, we're going to seek to find the rest that Jesus invites us to. Friend, if there's never been that time in your life where you've trusted in Christ, I invite you to make this your moment. Just call out to God and give Him your heart. You might say, Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner and I turn from those sins and I place my faith in Jesus Christ and I ask You to save me. And if this is your moment of salvation, I would invite you to pray that prayer through the powerful name of Christ. Let me know. I'll be here at the front during this next song. I'll be here after the service. If for whatever reason you can't find me, Find somebody in your life that you know walks with the Lord and tell them, I took that step today. Father, I pray for these dear people that I love, that I live life with, that you might give us rest and gratitude in this holiday season. And I ask, Lord, that if you see fit to allow us to go into 2022, that we might look back upon these final weeks of 2021 and say, uh, God got a hold of my heart, He got a hold of my attention, and He brought rest to my soul and strength to my spirit. Bring us your energy, Lord, the energy that comes from above.